Hey, have you ever had an event in your life that just all of a sudden just made a big difference in your life? Anything ever, you ever, you ever had a teaching that was just so profound yet so simple that it just created in you this desire to know more, to do more, um, to live the Christian life better, uh, whatever. I, I suspect, and I, I don't know about you, but for me today, this is one of them. It, it just is. It, it is so simple, and yet at the same time, it's so profound because it makes us really stop for a moment and think about where we are and think about where our Christian life is. Um, it's found in the book of Jude, and we're going to be looking at a couple of verses, 14 and 15. Basically, this will be two messages because next week we'll look at the prophecy of Enoch. Uh, but this morning, I want to talk to you about uh, how to cure apostasy, how to cure apostasy. Now, I'm going to tell you something. Uh, that's a mouthful. Okay, it, it just is. You go, man, that's pretty complex. You know, we got all these teachings and all this stuff going here, there, and everywhere. The fact of the matter is, there is a cure here this morning for apostasy. Now, remember, apostasy is a word that means to, to step away from or to walk away from. It, it's the idea that you once embraced a biblical doctrine and you no longer embrace that anymore. Uh, there, are, there are those who believe that Christians can apostatize. Uh, I, I, I personally do not. Uh, because if that were true, then the Bible would have to teach that you can lose your salvation, and it just doesn't teach that. And so um, apostatizing is the pretenders who will embrace something for a while and then walk away from it. John kind of put it this way. They went out from, they were of us, but they went out from us so that we could identify them as those who had never been with us to begin with. And so I, I want to talk about that for a minute. And we looked at last week, I I picked up the radio station this morning again and listened, try to try to uh, critique myself. And well, there was a, we threw I threw a lot at you last week, uh, but but we've come to this man in verse fourteen, Enoch, and it says Enoch, the seventh generation from Adam, also prophesied of these men, saying these men, these these apostates, these people that Jude is identifying, and he says, behold, or look. The Lord is coming with 10,000 of his holy ones, or 10,000 of his saints, to execute judgment on everyone and to convict all who are godless of all their wicked deeds that they have committed and of all the terrible words that godless sinners have spoken against him. So there's coming a day, there's coming a day of reckoning. Now one of the things I think is kind of interesting as we begin to go through uh, these few verses this morning, look at the background of this man Enoch is that in the midst of all of this apostasy, in the midst of the characteristics of all of these men that Jude says are apostates, God holds up one man in the background as a direct contrast in, in what these men are. And he picks this obscure man out of Scripture by the name of Enoch, and he holds him up as a, a contrast or backdrop uh, as an example of what a true follower of God looks like, what a true follower of God acts like. Now, if we were to go through and we were to think about this man, Enoch, one of the things we find about him is that Enoch also lived in a time of great apostasy. Enoch was a man who lived actually before the flood. And if you were to go over to the book of Genesis, chapter 6, the Bible says that God noticed or God saw 
uh, the wickedness and the godlessness of, of these people in a generation. And so, and so Enoch lived there. Sometimes we ask ourselves the question, with the culture that's around us and the anti-God and, and anti-Christian um, talk that's out there now, how do you live in a, in a world like that? How do we as believers survive in a world like that? And I think the Bible gives us the answer in a man by the name of Enoch. Now, there's also, um, and we won't go into that teaching this morning, but there are people uh, who preach and teach, and I happen to believe that it's so, is that Enoch is an Old Testament picture of rapture. Uh, God just God takes him out. And so there's a, there's a really good sermon on that. Maybe we'll get to that someday. But anyway, he, he, he was a man that lived during those times of apostasy, and, and he flourished. He didn't give in to the, to the pressures of what were going on around him. He, he lived, and he walked with God. Now, Enoch is mentioned three times in Scripture. He's mentioned in the book of Genesis, chapter 5. Don't get in confused with the Enoch of Genesis, chapter 4. Uh, Genesis chapter 4 is the line of Cain. There's a man by the name of Enoch in there. And then it talks about the line of Seth. Right at the end of chapter 4 it says, um, And Eve had another son by the name of Seth. And she said to him, The Lord has replaced basically the son that I lost. And Seth, Seth we know, became a godly line. And by the way, if you were to go over to the book of Matthew, look at the genealogies. In the book of Luke, look at the genealogy, genealogies of Jesus. They go back through this line of, of Seth. And so uh, don't get those two guys confused. Here's the teaching with that, and here's, here's what you need to remember. It don't matter where we are in the world. It don't matter what's going on. It don't matter what we're trying to accomplish in the Christian life. There will always be a counterfeit out there somewhere. Enoch is a counterfeit uh, of, of the Enoch in chapter 5. Devil's always got his Enoch too, Okay. Devil's always got his false teachers too. Devil's always got his false preachers too. And I promise you, and I've said this before, if there is a desire uh, in a culture for somebody to um, twist the gospel or to soften the blow of the gospel, there's always going to be somebody that's going to accommodate. And so, so we look at this man by the name of Enoch. He is, he's mentioned three different times. In the book of Jude, look at what he says. Enoch, the seventh from Adam. He's also mentioned over in the book of Hebrews, chapter 11. Listen to this one. By, by faith, verse 5, by faith Enoch was taken to heaven so that he would not see death. Um, you, you, the King James Version, by, by faith Enoch was, was no more. Uh, it, 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 it says here that he was not found. That means people looked for him. Enoch was gone and people looked for him. He was taken to heaven that he would not see death. He was not found because God took him away. For before he was taken, he had this commendation or this testimony that he pleased God. Now think about that for a minute. He pleased God. Kind of interesting that, um, that Enoch is mentioned as a man who pleased God. Notice in verse 6, Because without faith it is impossible to please God. For he who comes to God must believe that he exists and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. And then over in the book of Genesis, let me just give you this one real quick. He's mentioned again in chapter 5, verse 21. Enoch lived for 65 years and became the father of Methuselah. 
we're going that, that's that's an interesting point there. And Enoch walked with God after the birth of Methuselah. For 300 years, he had other sons and daughters. So the days of Enoch were 365 years. Enoch walked with God, and then he was no more because God raptured him. And, and which is, I think is a pretty good word there to use in, in describing what's going on. So let me just, let me, let me hang with this. Um, Enoch was a man of God for his times. Now, now, the question this morning is not, was Enoch a man of God for his times? The question this morning is, can God find one of us for this time? Are, are you the man or the woman of God that pleases God because of your faith? And God can depend on you in this time of turmoil and chaos in the world in which we live. Is there one among us? And I think that that's the whole point. That's the thing I want to get to this morning when we talk about this man Enoch. Because here's the deal. I think it's so interesting that the Holy Spirit would just pull Enoch out and, and use him as an example. Why didn't he use Moses? Why didn't he use David? Why didn't he use Solomon? Why didn't he use one of the prophets? The fact of the matter is, is that, is that Enoch had some qualities that every one of us can possess. We can be an Enoch for our times. I think it's important that we understand that there needs to be some Enochs in our day and in our time. So he's from the line of Seth. He says that he was the seventh from Adam. He was the seventh from Adam. Now, now, now watch this. Contrast this with me. In Genesis chapter 5 and in Hebrews chapter 11. Okay, here it is. Here, here's how. Here's the key. And Enoch walked with God. Okay? Genesis, and Enoch walked with God. In Hebrews chapter 11, and Enoch pleased God. You know, that just seems like something so elementary, right? What pleases God? Walking with God. Why was God pleased with Enoch? A guy who just kind of comes out of obscurity. You just find him in the middle of the genealogy of Seth. And you know what? Uh, uh, he pleased God. Why? And how? He walked with God. So listen, ladies and gentlemen. There it is. That's the key to avoiding apostasy. Walking with God. You know, we could stop right now today. And, and have an invitation time and just throw that statement out there and say, how many of you are walking with God? How, how many of us are really walking with God? How many of us this morning could God look at us and say, I'm pleased with you because you are walking with me? How to avoid apostasy and falling away? Walking with God. It pleases him. Amos chapter 3 and verse 3 puts it this way. Can two walk together except they agree? So let me give you five things of what it means to walk with God, okay? Five things of what it means to walk with God. First of all, it means that you must be reconciled to God, to be in agreement with God. Num number one, in agreement about your sin. God doesn't pull any punches. God means it when he says all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So we must be in agreement. We must be reconciled to God because we agree with God about our sin. Matter of fact, that's the first step to salvation. The first step to salvation is recognizing that you're a sinner and embracing that and accepting that. To, to say, look, you know what? 
like the Apostle Paul. Paul, Paul, okay? Paul, I am the chief of sinners. Well, I'll tell you what, if Paul is the chief of sinners, what does that make us? And so we have to recognize that we are sinners. We have to recognize that we sin. We, we have to be in agreement about our sin. We have to be in agreement about the remedy for our sin. Listen, God's not going to whitewash your shortcomings. God's not going to whitewash over your sin just because you're a good person. God's not going to take your sin away just because He likes you better than He likes that person sitting next to you. The remedy for sin, ladies and gentlemen, is death. And not only death, not only your death, crucifying yourself every day, but the death of His own Son. That's the remedy for your sin. That's how you can be saved. Jesus died for you. And we have to recognize that to be reconciled to God. We have to be in agreement with God's holy law. The wages of sin is death. God's holy law, what is it? The soul that sins, it will die. Matter of fact, there was a time before we got saved that every one of us were dead in our trespasses and sins. There was no hope. And so we recognize that because God's holy law tells us that. Now listen, here's another one. We have to also be in agreement with God's standard and character of holiness. In other words, to walk with God, you need to be saved. Okay, don't, don't, don't hand me this stuff about, well, you know, um, I'll never forget, I'll never forget um, um, long, long, long time ago, a girl got up. You know, people get all worked up sometimes with their testimonies, and a girl got up talking about her life and and how she lived and how God was still pleased with her and how God was still blessing her. And I was just waiting for my pastor to get up and say, that's a lie. You have to be in agreement with God. You have to be in agreement with His standard and His character of holiness. You have to be saved. That's what it means to be reconciled to God. Number two, what does it mean to walk with God? It means that there has to be a similarity of natures. Can two walk together except they agree. God is a holy God. Light has no communion with darkness. In our lives, in your life, in my life, sin must be judiciously put away. There has to be that time when, when God deals with that sin. Judiciously put away from the face of God. Sin has to be dealt with to walk with God. I'm going to show you some others here in a minute. You go, yeah, that makes it even worse. It is dealt with daily. How do we do that, Gary? We do it by confessing and forsaking. He who confesses his sin and forsakes it shall have mercy. Doesn't say who confesses it and goes back to it. We are when you confess your sin. He is faithful and just to forgive you of your sin and to keep on cleansing you from all unrighteousness. But the fact of the matter is, he, he forgives that sin and you are to forsake that sin. Don't keep going back to the same old thing all the time. Don't keep getting all caught up in this thing all the time. So, well, it's just my nature. Well, I'm, I'm just addicted. I, I, can't, I can't get away from it. The fact of the matter is, listen, you've got the power to get away from it through the Holy Spirit. But we don't embrace that. We don't understand. But we have to, you know what? You, you can't walk with God unless you have a godly nature. Number three, it means that we must possess moral fitness. 
Because God doesn't walk out of the way of holiness. Y'all hear me? God is not going to drop his standard because you don't want to walk in holiness. God's not going to compromise his character because you don't want to embrace that character. Because you want it to be something less than that. You, you, if you're going to walk with God, you've got you to possess this moral fitness. 1 John 1, 6. If we say, if we say we have fellowship with Him, or let's put it this way. If we say we are walking with God, and yet walk and are walking in darkness, you are lying. A man who says, hey, I'm walking with God. I have fellowship with God. I'm in love with God. I'm one of God's children. And I have constant fellowship with God. If you're walking in some kind of dark sin in your life, you are lying. And as a matter of fact, he says, you lie and you do not practice the truth. It's kind of interesting that the Lord said, listen, if you want to have fellowship with me, You've got to walk in light. You've got to walk in holiness. You, you, you've, got to, you've got to walk in humbleness. And if you're not doing that, if you're, you know, if you're, if you're, say you're walking with me and you're participating in some sin, then you're just lying. We lie and do not practice the truth. We must have a standard of a holy life to walk with God. And the only way, ladies and gentlemen, that you can have that life is to be in constant fellowship and confession and living your faith and following Jesus Christ. Number four, it means that our wills must be surrendered. Our wills must be surrendered. Enoch chose to walk with God. It is your choice every day. You get up every morning and you choose to walk with God or you choose to go walking off in, in some of your sins. Holiness is God's standard, ladies and gentlemen. And if you're going to walk with God, you've got to meet God's standard. And the only way you can do that is every day come before God in confession and in faith. Confess those sins. Forsake that sin. We were talking to our college kids this morning. I remember one of the things that, that somebody said to us, but I think it's every day leaving. They, after we lost our daughter, it was like, well, how do you all make it? I said, we get up in the morning, we put one foot on the floor, and we just trust God to show us where to take the next step. But your whole Christian life needs to be that way. That's why you need to start your day with the Lord, not the end of your day with the Lord. So, we, so, so it means that our wills must be surrendered. It also means, and here it is, walking carries with the idea of steady progress. Steady progress. Walking suggests putting a distance between you and your sin. I'll let that one sink in for a minute. Walking carries with it the idea that you put distance between you and your sin. You, and by the way, you and your past... We have an enemy that wants to tie you down to your past, want to identify you and create your identity by something that you did in the past. 
Put some distance. Walking, walking with God, putting some distance between your sins and, and your past sins. Whosoever confesses and forsakes shall have mercy. So two points here real quickly. Number one, Enoch walked with God. Enoch walked with God. Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 5 tells us how he walked. He walked by faith. Uh, Enoch, Enoch lived the faith walk. He pleased God because he was a man of faith. Now listen, I'm not asking you this morning if you're saved. That, 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 that's not the whole point of what we're looking at right here. You know what? If you're not, you're in a heap of trouble. That's just all you need to know. I'm not asking you if you're saved. My question is, are you walking with God? Are you growing in your faith? Are you making progress in your faith walk? Now, look, that, that, that's number one, that's the first thing I want you to let sink in this morning. I want you to ask yourself the question. I want you to be very, very honest with yourself. Are you walking in faith? Are you making progress in your faith walk? Now listen to this statement. This is not, this is not condemnation. But, but, but I want you to ask yourself that question because I have an answer if you're saying no. If, you are the same, if you're in the same place spiritually this morning, if you're in the same place spiritually that you were a week ago, a month ago, a year ago, you are not walking with God. And I don't usually holler, but i got to get a point across. If you're walking with God, there will be spiritual progress. There will be growth. It may just be a little bit of growth. It may just be a half a step of progress today. But walking carries with the idea of making progress. How are you progressing in your Christian life? Some of you are sitting here this morning. You're going, oh, wow, yeah. I don't, I just, I'm just, you know, the Lord, the heavens are like brass. The Lord seems so far away. I just don't, I don't, I don't feel like the Lord cares anymore. You're just not walking with God. If you were walking with God, I'm going to tell you what, the heavens would be opened. The joy would be returned. I'm not talking about, I'm not talking about happy-go-lucky, zippity-doo-dah kind of stuff, but I am talking about this, that no matter what comes in your life, you don't allow it to rob you of your Christian joy. The joy of knowing Jesus, the joy of knowing that one day you're going to go live with Him for eternity. Are you walking with God? Listen, it may make a difference from this day forward in how you're living your Christian life. And in it walked with God and I say it again if you're, the, if you're in the same place spiritually today that you were a year ago you are not walking with God well there's no progress in my Christian life you're not walking with God is that, is that plain enough I mean y'all, y'all understand that alright he walked with God he witnessed for God now, when the Bible talks about this man Enoch, especially in the book of Genesis, and I want you to turn over there because I want you to be in chapter 5 because I want to show you some things here. But um, 
It says that he prophesied, or really that he was a preacher of righteousness. Enoch was a preacher. Look at verse 21 of chapter 5. Enoch was 65 years old and became the father of Methuselah. Enoch walked with God after the birth of Methuselah for 300 years and had other sons and daughters. So all the days of Enoch were 365 years. Enoch walked with God, and then he was no more because God took him. Methuselah. If you're taking note, just write this out beside of it. It's a, it's a name that means when he dies, it will come. When he dies, it will come. So, so now he has a son. Isn't it amazing? He lived for 65 years and then walked with God, but a child comes into his house, and for the next 300 years, he, it causes him to walk with God. Something about a child born in a house that makes you start taking stock and inventory of your life, isn't it? Because all of a sudden, you're responsible for something else now instead of yourself. Do you want your children to have the same faith walk that you have, then you better be walking with God because they are watching. They're paying close attention to what's going on in your life. Methuselah, when he's dead, it shall be sent. When he dies, I'm going to deal with the sin problem. When he dies, judgment's coming. He's talking about the flood. Okay? Now, here's something very interesting. Since, since he didn't know, the son is born, God gives him a name. Pay attention to the names in the Old Testament because I'm, I, some of them are, are, have, have prophecy written into just to the name. So all of a sudden, Enoch has this son by the name of Methuselah. And his name means when he dies, it's coming. Okay. Was it his son? Was it his son that changed his heart toward God? Or was it the son's name and the prophetic meaning of the name behind Methuselah? I have a, I have a tendency to believe that it had to do with his name more so than it did the son. This, this young man whose name Methuselah, when he dies, is going to be sent all of a sudden had a big impact on the life of Enoch. When he, when he dies, it will come. Well, the fact of the matter is, is that since he didn't know the day, every single day must have been a day of expectancy. The old saying, if not today, maybe tomorrow. Can you think about this man who walked with God, who had this little boy, and think about the times that little boy might have gotten sick, the thoughts that might have gone through his head. Is this it? Is this it? Is this when it's going to happen? Is this, what, is this, this the expectancy? Since he didn't know, he must have lived expecting that judgment is coming on any day. It is then that he started walking with God. When this happens, ladies and gentlemen, there will be no chance to change your mind. When judgment comes, when God sends his judgment, there won't be an opportunity to change your mind. At death, 
listen to this very carefully. At death, your eternal soul is secured. There's no changing your mind. There's no second chances. There's no, give me another shot. Your eternal state is set on the day that you take your last breath. You know what God has said? Listen to me very carefully. Do you know what God has said here in this little book of Jude? That day will not come until there come a falling away first. That day will not come unless there come a falling away first. God has told us that you need to start understanding that the day is near. That you need to be expecting that day when people start falling away. There are several things that Jesus talked about in the book of Matthew chapter 24 and in other places. that talked about the signs of his coming. One of them is a falling away. The second one is the regathering of the people of Israel. Hundreds of thousands are moving back into Israel today. You see, here's what's happening. We haven't been given a name. We haven't been given a child that says when, when, he, you know, when he dies, this is going to happen. But we have been given God's word that says, listen, when these things start happening, you better start paying attention. And if you're going to get it right, you better get it right now. If you're going to walk with God, you better start walking with Him today. Because we don't know the time or the day or the hour. Jesus said, when you see the falling away, it is a sign that His coming is at hand. My question this morning is, if you're sitting here this morning and you're still not saved, if you're sitting here this morning And you have been saved, but you haven't made any progress in your spiritual life. You have no notion of doing anything about it. Jesus is at the gate, ladies and gentlemen, and you can almost hear the footfall because of what he's told us. It changed Enoch's life. Knowing that judgment was coming. Knowing that when judgment came, it would be the end. That God would deal with sin. Changed his life. Has it changed your life? Are you just hoping it's not true? Are you just hoping maybe you'll have time? Are you just hoping maybe that you will have another opportunity? Did you know that Adam was probably alive when Enoch was still living? How many times do you think Enoch would have sat down with his great, 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 great grandfather and asked the question, tell me what it was like to walk with God? Ladies and gentlemen, can I, just, can I ask you, if your children were to ever sit down and ask you, what is it like to walk with God? Could you tell them? Are you walking it so that they don't even have to ask that question? Can they just look at your life and go, man, he's walking with God. I can just hear him sit there and Adam talking to him about walking with God and how cool it was. 
about the mistake that he made, how it changed that relationship, but how God killed an animal and clothed them. And maybe even telling them the story of the New Testament that one day God's going to send a deliverer. Just as he killed that animal and clothed us in blood which shed, those who have put their faith and their trust in him, he will clothe in his righteousness. Listen, one writer said, you cannot take his name if you do not follow him. My friend, Ken Oates, all of you heard about the tragedy of Ken closing his eyes in sleep on this earth and waking his eyes and seeing Jesus. And Ken has this testimony. He walked with God. But I want you to hear this statement, and I want you to hear my heart, and I want you to, I want you to hear it. I want you to get the full blow of it. If you're not saved today, your companion in life will be your companion in death. That's spooky. Whoever you're walking with, whoever you're living for, whatever you're living for, if you don't know Jesus, is going to be your companion in death. Enoch lived with a consciousness of eternity. So much in view. So much in view. Ken lived with eternity so much in view that he took one step out of this one and his next step was in that one. His companion in life became his companion in death. So let me ask you this morning, if you're here and you don't know Jesus, who are you walking with? Who are you walking with? Pretty good question. Who are you walking with? Somebody put it this way. I think it's kind of a cool way of putting it. That One day, God and Enoch were walking. And God said to Enoch, hey, we're closer to my house than we are yours. Why don't you just come on home with me? And Enoch walked with God. Are you walking with God to the extent that there won't be a whole lot of change need to take place? From your life here and your life there. Enoch walked with God. And he walked by faith and it pleased God. You want to please God? Walk by faith. Not by what you can see. But what you know. Faith is more than just hope. So faith is the reality that the Bible is true. That God's word is true. That God is reliable. That God does not lie. And that your companion in life will one day be your companion in death. I think about that for a minute. Kirk talked about his dad a while ago, and it kind of, kind of reminded me. We were, my dad had um, been sick for a little while, and we were all exhausted. We were 
we were sitting in that hospital room and we were running back and forth. And, you know, that, that really tough decision that you got to make to say, look, you know what, let's just make him comfortable and let him go on home. There was so much of us, we wanted, you know, we just wanted him to stay and keep him there. So we're all exhausted. We're in the, we're in the waiting room and they're trying to call us and calling our phones and everybody's just so out of it. Finally, they come out and get us and they take us in and they said to us, they said, look, you don't, you don't have to make the decision. Mr. Graves already made the decision for you. I think even in the midst of all that, the Lord said, listen, I, I can leave you here. We, you know, we can work through this or, or you can come on home with me. My daddy's choice was, hey, I'm going to come home with you. And they said to me, that the nurse said to me, he said, you would not believe. It was cloudy, been cloudy all day. He said, you would not believe that at the moment your daddy took his last breath, this sun ray just came through the window and just flooded the room with light. Well, I'm going to tell you what came into that room. It was Jesus himself. The light of the world came and carried my daddy to his world. And you know what? It would be hypocritical for me to miss him to the point that I would want him back. My daddy and my daughter and your parents and all those people you know that love the Lord, they have their reward. And I promise you that their companion in death was also their companion. Their companion in life was their companion in death. Listen, if you want to go to heaven, you've got to walk with God. If you want to experience joy in this Christian life, you've got to walk with God. If you want to grow in your Christian life, you've got to walk with God. So here's my question. What, how is your walk? That's just a Kurt. Come on. How is your walk? And let me tell you something. I, this is a bold thing to say, and it's a bold thing to do because people just don't like to do it. But I'm going to tell you this. There's something about coming forward and kneeling before the Lord that kind of puts you out there and holds you accountable. Yeah, you can do it right where you are. I've told this little story before. You remember there was a young girl who was at a revival service. She was so under conviction. The pastor would go back to her every night. Don't you want to be saved? Yeah, but I'm so afraid to go down front. He said, well, you, got, you have to go down front. And, and the, every night, two or three nights in a row, I want to be saved, but I don't want to go down front. You can't be saved unless you go down front. Last night of revival, he goes to her and he says, listen, don't you want to be saved? She said, yeah, let's go. He said, nah, you can be saved right here. When you're, when you're willing to put yourself out there, that, that humbleness, that humility of heart that only Jesus and the Holy Spirit can draw, Then and only then will there be some changes in you. Some of us need to make some changes. Some of us need to start walking with God. Are you walking with Him? Do you know Him? 